You're listening to a Galactic Network podcast. For more, go to GNCast.com. We are the Elsers. Hello and welcome to Elsner's A production of Galactic Network. I'm Gregor Sprague and joining me is Corey Scott, like he always is, but we have a very special guest. It's Jackie Hearn. Jackie, how you doing? Hey, y'all. Oh, Dragon, <laughs> you know. Um, hey, hey, thank you guys so much. Uh, I, I begged and pleaded with you guys to let me back on um, so I could tell you about my dive into Marvel. <laughs> um, yeah. So thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Yeah, not a problem. And before we get into all this and the questions that I'm going to ask, like, where do I get my own little finger puppet ad dragon? Uh, uh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, real quick, before we get into all that stuff, you can find all info on this, including show notes, which will include links to all of Jackie's stuff by going to elsenerds.com. And for other Galactic Network programs, you can go to jancast.com. And as a warning on elsenerds, we tend to shoot our mouths off without thinking, so we will both spoil things and swear liberally. You have been warned. So we asked Jackie how she's doing. Corey, how are you doing? I'm I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> I I I I have not been fingered by a dragon, so I I don't know uh, <laughs> where to, to get the specialty items. Uh, oh God, maybe. guys! Just let me tell you, man. Oh God. Um, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> so what had happened was Zad Dragon met a special lady, and. And then they made little baby ad dragons, and that's what those are. Yeah, yeah, you could say that. Yeah. <laughs> They're the decapitated versions of the baby ad dragons. <laughs> but yeah, so we're gonna get into the news, and then we're gonna get we got some things that we're gonna talk about, and then Jackie is actually Jackie's our subject of our else of our elseword, and it's really cool because it's I feel like her elseword and my one review might sort of tie together a little bit. But yeah, we'll get into that here in a second. First, the news. The first bit of news is that Donald Glover fires back at Marvel over the canceled Deadpool TV series from FX. I've seen some of the tweets that because there was reports coming out that he said that they said he was busy. So so Donald Glover was working uh, with his brother on a script on a series for FX uh, where he does the show Atlanta, where they both do the show Atlanta. They so were good. doing an animated series about Deadpool. Uh, everybody seemed really excited about it. And then all of a sudden, the thing fell apart, Marvel said, based off of creative differences, which is a thing that happens. Usually, they just replace you with Ron Howard or something afterwards. But <laughs> at, at any rate, so one of the things that they were saying in the, in the excuse as to why, they said, well, Donald's obviously had a very big year. Uh, Atlanta. He's, he's won too many awards. Yeah. He's got a television Gambino awesome and all show. Things. Atlanta. Yeah. And and so they're like, he so he's just very anymore. busy. Let's you know, you know, he does. We don't want him to turn into Meryl Streep. Yeah, I I believe Marvel was trying to sound diplomatic, mm. uh, but it just came out like, oh yeah, you know, he's just so busy that he can't really. We can't make this work mm-hmm. and everything and. Donald Glover basically took that as a challenge and said, I ain't that busy and put out a 14 page script essentially overnight 
yes of of a mock episode of the deadpool show that we unfortunately will probably never see uh, well, I have a feeling, I have a feeling, particularly as somebody who is instantly thinking, oh, I got to get my hands on this because I want to make a stop motion animation or a puppet thing, on it, you know, to it. Like, I have a feeling within within 24 hours, there will be animations, that, you know, because with, with, with graphic am animation, you can do it a lot faster. You can churn it out a lot quicker. I have a feeling we're going to see this, you know. You can probably cut the time in about a third if you include hentai tentacles. But uh, yeah, I agree. There, There is a lot of potential for someone to do this. It, it's like the Rick and Morty thing a few years ago when Rick and Morty, they did the reading of them like doing a court proceeding and they're just reading that, but it's the two characters. And, and I say they, but it was Justin Rowland doing the whole thing. Um, mm. And then they did actually officially animate it later on which is fun. It was never really part of the show. But yeah, I, I think that this is something that it, it exists on the internet. People are excited about it. And you're right. Maybe someone will take it and run with it. It would be nicer still to have Donald and, and I believe his yes. brother's name is Steven yeah. involved in it in some way. But it's just, it's disappointing to have Marvel. I'm, I'm not going to say they blew this, but in, in this time right now, when people are extremely excited about Deadpool and extremely excited about Donald Glover, it seems like a really weird opportunity to miss. Now, I'm going to throw something out here from reading through the article that brings something up that I think could be the reason why this is the case. Jeff Loeb is the current head of Marvel TV, right? You know, much like Kevin Feige is the head of Marvel movies, but the difference between the two, Jeff Loeb still answers to Ike Perlmutter. And if you remember... You know, about about four or five years ago, you know, we had the falling out with Kevin Feige that he didn't like Ike. Pro, he didn't like Ike so much that he lobbied and got you know Marvel Studios out from under the eyes and you know and the under the purview of Ike Perlmutter around the time that we got the wonderful movie Doctor Strange. I feel like this could be something that comes from the very very top that this is Ike Perlmutter going. No, I don't want this because it is going off of the success of something that we don't really have. Like we only have it in the comics and you know other merchandising, but it's not in the movie universe or anything like that. That's me stretching a little bit with the, the movie part, but I feel like this is Ike Perlmutter, and this could be depending on how Jeff, you know, if Jeff Loeb liked it and you know thought this was really good, and, you know, really was on board with this. I could see this as Jeff Loeb then going to Disney and being like, hey, we don't want to be under Ike's, you know, under Ike's umbrella either and all that. We would rather, I'd rather, you know, answer to Kevin Feige as opposed to, you know, Ike or, you know, me and Kevin be partners. I don't know. What do you guys think? Well, also in this article that, that you guys have referenced uh, and that I read there, of course, you know, they mentioned that it's, uh, it's a little too weird. And definitely, I think actually just reading Donald Glover's script that he wrote at four o'clock in the morning, that mm. obviously he wrote like the day of because he's, he's, and he's making a very good point of it because he mentions Beyonce getting bitten and that it was Jennifer Lawrence. Oh, shocker. <laughs> so, <laughs> then actually bitter because a lot of people were wondering who was it? Was it Leon Dunham? But I think that, you know, so, okay. So one of the points is that this, that that Donald Glover uh, was going to create a weird script, and 
and and all of the cat all of the writers another point he makes is that all of the writers are black and that was just a little too much for fx and i don't know it seems like F fx i'm so amazed every time i see a show on fx that i end up loving and one of those shows was uh louis but not not that i i doubted i would love his show but I was also a little, rec I recoiled a little from FX when they canceled all of his projects because he had a show coming up called Cop and it took off every every bit of material that he'd ever done off their network other than Baskets and just basically removed his name from Baskets, which Baskets I love as well um, is currently on. Um, so I kind of Wait. feel... I feel like I didn't know maybe, Louis C.K. was involved in baskets. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He was a co like a co-creator, or or yeah, co-creator or major creator. I, I I'm I'm not sure what exactly what his level was, but he was heavily involved in creating and in writing. And I don't know. There's some really great uh, comedians that I love, like including Karen Kilgariff, who is currently writing the show. But yeah, they 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 completely took it away from him, and after he left, but. So I think I feel like FX in particular, I think they're very scared of things and maybe I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know what the reasoning is. You guys would know better than me. You guys know comics better than me. I, like Here's it a, just seems like this would be a perfect time to put this show out that's written by an entire staff of black writers, particularly after the wonderful success of Black Panther, which is what got me into Marvel. I don't know that this is FX saying that they had problems. Oh, oh no, show. no. Oh, I, well, I agree. As, as I was and, saying this, I realized that. Yeah, because um, FX has Marvel, a really good. They um, have a really good relationship already but, but, with but, Donald Glover because of Atlanta. Well, no, absolutely. But I feel like, uh, well, maybe I misread what I I, I saw in the story. But um, well, I mean, you might you might be right. I'm guessing because I'm not privy to the the stuff behind behind the scenes either. I've seen a couple of stories making it sound like it's more of an issue of Marvel. Than it is FX. We also yeah, know that no, there I'm is. Sorry, I just the, glanced back. It has a it has to do with the 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 weirdness of Legion with FX, and uh, that there is something there that Legion is so weird and bizarre that that the Marvel is definitely didn't, weird. Didn't, didn't want to. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It is. But Marvel didn't want to push forward another one of those shows uh, with FX. Well, so there. I mean, that's kind of the thing, though, is if you've already got that branding kind of ingrained into what's playing on this channel why would you be afraid of doing something else with it the other part of it is that we know that there's some complications that may be still in the air of the acquisition of fox by yeah. disney uh yes. and if that goes through and everything else but all that is still kind of a sight what gregor was uh, was alluding to earlier was the marvel films broke away from Ike Perlmutter and a a sort of a board of Marvel creators who were all sort of pushing the stories in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And Kevin Feige was like, um, you guys gave us Iron Man 2. Uh, you guys <laughs> gave us Thor The Dark World. We're pretty much thinking that you are not the direction that we want to follow. And I think that's possibly also part of what got Joss Whedon to break and and say goodbye to Avengers because of stuff that he was forced to keep into that that he gotcha. didn't want. But but again, I might be reading too much into that. But this is kind of how I've seen stories leaked and suggested over time. But to, to Greg's point, the TV side of things 
still has that. It still has that tied to the Marvel Comics more than the Marvel Cinematic Universe does. They are both drawing from the same stuff, but it's different leadership. And Jeff Loeb's leadership is under a more watchful eye, I think, than Kevin Feige's is at this time. Because Feige is making billions of dollars a movie at this point and keeps taking risks that seem to work. Whereas the Marvel shows, we have things like Legion, which is weird, but we have success in the Netflix shows, yet we also got Iron Fist. Uh, we have Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on its fifth season, but we had Inhumans crash and burn horribly. Mm. Uh, funny enough, same creative person behind that as there was behind Iron Fist. Um, we we have Agent Carter that had, I thought, two great seasons, but got canceled very early. We've got a, a lot of hit or miss, and the Marvel films seem to be far more hit and when they were miss, it seemed like, again, that it was because of the direction of, of this board of people that Marvel had as creators and stuff. Is Deadpool something that maybe they want to reconsider because if Fox does get acquired by Disney, they could have more control of? They might want to re-change things depending on the new Deadpool movie that's coming out, which is leading into Cable and X-Force. And, and Donald Glover just wanted to do a Deadpool show and take a different kind of risk with it than what we were seeing in the movies. There's a lot of questions of that. But what I, I take issue with seems to be what he took issue with, which is they kind of put it on him and said, well, he's just so busy and he's just so popular. And he's like, yeah, but if I didn't think I could do the fucking job, I wouldn't have tried to do the fucking job. Here I am doing the job as a joke. And it's mm -hmm. better than what you have to show right now. So... Yeah, take that. He said in his best 1980s rap challenge. <laughs> yeah. The other thing I will add, though, with, with what you mentioned about the, you know, with the backstory stuff, because you mentioned Agent Carter, that was backed heavily by Kevin Feige. So I feel like th with that, there might be a little bit more to the cancellation of that as like Perlmutter being butthurt. It's possible. That, I mean, yeah. it does. Really, well, it has shown up in the movie since Agent Carter had a show, and you don't see that happen with any of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. characters. None of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. characters have shown up in the cinematic universe since going over to the TV, but Haley Atwell as Agent Carter has, yeah. uh, and, and might show up more. Although they are talking about having a Coulson appearance in yeah, Captain Marvel. Marvel. Mm -hmm. That has, I believe, has been verified. That it is the case. Coulson, because we already know that Sam Jackson's going to be in there but you're also going to get lee pace as ronan the accuser and oh my god i i can't think of the other guy's name but he was also in Gar the first guardians i, I uh, can't think of the character that he played but i know who you're talking about because yeah. he's the one who basically says who when star lord introduces himself yeah so beat found an article with the quote and it's uh the actor jimon honsu d-j-i-m-o-n-h-o-u-n-s-o-u they're both of them are set to be in Captain Marvel as well. I'm so could this could this just possibly be exactly what it was originally said, which is creative differences is we had an idea of a Deadpool show. We went to you to work on the Deadpool show and we decided that it wasn't the Deadpool show that we wanted to make. And if that's the case, why not handle it a little bit better? Because then you still have the opportunity to work with Donald Glover, who, again, has an open relationship with disney i say open relationship like they're they're 
can like go see other people. But I mean, it has a good relationship with Disney because he's showing up in the solo movie in a month and is going to be doing a lot of press for that. Wouldn't it be great to say, we know that Deadpool didn't work out, but here's some other properties that maybe you might be interested in doing something with. And let's let's foster something there. Or is it just, well, you know, fuck it. We burn that bridge. Yeah. And honestly, no. the burning is coming more from him than it is from them. But I think it's because <laughs> they made a they made a shitty statement. They, they made a very false statement and he had the right to come and defend himself and say, hey, that's just not true. And show off again how talented he is and how prolific he is in his creativity to be able to do that script and have it have so many great references that are current that sound kind of natural coming from a Deadpool show yeah. uh, at the same time. It seems like he really had a good handle on the character's voice. I regret that we won't get to see him make that show. Jackie, you were going to say something? I was going to say, I do realize this is like a, a internal Marvel bitch fuck fest between these people, <laughs> you know, and uh, I, I'm kind of vaguely aware of it. But again, yeah. I think the point that I was going to say later with your major topic is this is the first time I've really given a shit about Marvel. Like, mm -hmm. I, I, right. I'm, you know, I've never cared about it and I've never, never wanted to care about it. So... I, honestly, I was just very excited about Donald Glover and his oh, yeah. reaction uh, and to that, that whole that's, scenario. That is like the story. I thought that was beautiful. His, yeah. his yeah. response and and writing that script and I, I don't know. Uh, if and if you, anything, because it, it's great script, like all yeah. of those little puns and things you threw in, and the fuck the rhino, Sudan the rhino. Yeah. Like, I mean, oh, honestly, God. if if you look at this, beautiful. If, no, no, this is going that my theory is the case, and that it was Ike Perlmutter and not Jeff Loeb, uh, yeah, no. they, and all that. To where, uh, if it is, that is more fuel for Jeff Loeb to be like, "Hey, Disney, can we do something here?" You know, because you see what he just gave us at four a.m. Yeah, yeah. There's a bitch fuck fest going on with. Marvel, yeah. yeah, no, I get it. Yeah, which which is why I, I I think I understand why I never really cared about it before. And actually, I realize our news, and I don't know why, but our news is very Marvel have, uh, heavily focused. And I'm wearing a Kevin Smith Bluntman hat. Right. <laughs> but yeah, so the next bit of news is that Dark X Men Phoenix has been pushed to 2019 with the New Mutants delayed yet again. Although the part with the New Mutants is, I guess, to do some. Critical reshoots is what I have heard. Uh, they seem to both be for yeah. reshoots. So um, the next X-Men movie was supposed to be um, after Deadpool because I, in my mind, internally separate Deadpool from the X-Men because it's successful. Deadpool is just successful <laughs> where, where the X-Men haven't been for a little bit. And, um, and the X-Men have been successful enough to make it to however many movies that they've had out and to branch the franchise off into three Wolverine movies, a uh, Gambit movie that's never going to fucking happen. I don't care what you're saying. It's never going to fucking happen. Uh, <laughs> and now two Deadpool films. We can't we can't point the X-Men and say that they've, they've all failed. It's just that we see diminishing returns in the series yeah. since Bryan Singer came back and, and, and still sickens me that the most successful movie is the one that when Brian Singer left the first time and is in many ways the worst of the X-Men films overall. But they ain't getting better. Still, 
Yeah, so this got pushed back from, I think it was supposed to be August and November of this year. It was November. It got pushed back from May to November. So it's going to be November 2nd, 2018. And they pushed it back to, to Valentine's Day next year. Yes. At which point, New Mutants, which had already been pushed back into the beginning of next year, has now been pushed back even later next year. In both cases, uh, they they are getting reshoots, which is a bigger deal for the X-Men film because the, the actors in that are all over the world. Like the, the person who plays Phoenix that the movie is named after is filming Game of Thrones right now on the other side of the planet. So... Yeah, she's a little busy, so it makes sense that trying to get them back together for reshoots is going to be problematic. New Mutants being pushed back now a third time is a little rough for that yeah. movie. It makes it sound bad, but it's it's the same deal. It's just when you've got 20-something superhero movies coming out from different companies throughout the year, you kind of want to give each one room to breathe and process and be its own thing and not be surrounded like when Deadpool 2 got moved up in between Avengers, Infinity War, and Solo, it was like, wow, that's a weird move. I'm not saying that's why Avengers got moved up another week or two, but it seemed to happen after that, that they were like, yeah, let's, let's again, give some more space between these so that Avengers will have time to get more return. Because I know people are going to go fucking see Deadpool. It's not like what Black Panther has had where... There has not been great competition to it. I'm not saying that's why Black Panther has been number one for so long and why it's been so successful. But certainly if you have a giant superhero movie that is incredibly successful and then another one on its heels two weeks later, it's going to cut into the profits a little bit. So giving its mixed room makes sense. With New Mutants, it's not that kind of property. So it was always going to struggle to find an audience. So giving it some space, giving it its own place in the schedule makes a degree of sense if they had to move it at all which they did apparently well and here's the other part of it and this is might might be where we get jackie back in is these aren't the only movies that fox has moved around they've moved up the which usually means yay good things the freddie mercury biopic bohemian rhapsody it's now taking over the dark phoenix's old date of november 2nd from its intended Christmas Morn release, which if you don't know about the Bohemian Rhapsody, this is the was formerly the Brian Singer fronted, directed uh, Rami Malek starring film. But Brian Singer was fired because he'd failed to show up. And Dexter Fletcher, the director of Eddie the Eagle, came in to take over. And apparently, and I, I have to agree with the article, that the film has been testing really well. So you know, despite all this stuff, I mean, if it's testing well, they're like, okay, we got enough confidence. Let's move this forward. And there, there's some other things that they've done, you know, as well, you know, throughout here. But I mean, th- those are the big three right there. I mean, the, you know, with some good news with, well, actually it's all could be good news, but you got to look at silver lining on a couple of them, but, you know, moving up the Bohemian Rhapsody movie, which Jackie, have you, are you familiar with the Bohemian Rhapsody biopic? Nope. Okay. Have you seen Mr. Robot? Yes. Okay, the lead actor Elliot Love it. from Mr. Robot. Yeah, Elliot from Mr. Robot. He is playing Freddie Mercury in this movie. Which the if you look in the article, it has the picture from, that they used from Entertainment Weekly. Because at first I'm like, well, wait a minute, he doesn't really look like Freddie Mercury. And then I saw that picture, I'm like, I'm shutting the fuck up because apparently I know nothing. <laughs> and 
and I got what the yeah. fuck? That's yeah. him. Yeah, that's Rami Malek. Holy smokes, he yeah. looks so good as a, oh my god, it's Freddie Mercury. That's oh, amazing. Yeah. yeah, so I mean that's the that's the good part. And then the article also has some other things that the other movies are going around against, which I mean it's like okay, yes, it's going around. Um, you know, they're they're justifying the February date because of the success of Deadpool and Black Panther. And there's some other movies that are coming around here. But I'm like, if this gives us more time to get good stuff. In both these cases, though, we're talking again about Fox movies of Marvel properties that yeah. may or may not be the last bastion of Fox having the ability to do Marvel. Because if Fox gets acquired by Marvel, do these films kind of stop mattering if they integrate them into the marvel universe at large when we suddenly have the ability to use x-men characters instead of inhumans characters thank god and uh what happens then to the establishment of a new mutants series where we're already seeing the the teenagers that the series is supposed to be based around aging out of the parts yeah uh, because they keep moving it back every year i mean honestly i look at it like this if i'm kevin feige i look at the movies that are there so you look at dark phoenix and uh new mutants and you look at the cast and go okay can these do do these people play to type you know to the type of the character that they're going here or that we have vision for them you know so it's like you know uh the the actress who's playing uh magic do we think that she could be magic in here or do we then do a marvel legends you know like how they Star Wars recanonized everything that wasn't the movies or what else was there? I think that was it. Into or and the TV shows. Sorry, I don't forget books. something else. No, no the, the books. The books they the books and comics they put in the Star Wars Legends, but it was the TV shows and the movies that they're like these are still canon, and then we'll pull in the other things that'll be canon later. So, I, like, I could see that approach happening here, like. These were great. We're going to do our own New Mutants with these people or our own X-Men with, you know, our fourth Cyclops and our, you know, with the fourth Cyclops being cast and the third Jean Grey being cast and all that stuff. I just want to state, I don't at all believe that the Star Wars Holiday Special is canon. Uh, oh, of course it is. But I, I would love to have B. Arthur wandering around uh, with Yoda <laughs> in the, in the, Force justice afterlife, but I mean, if you can't, if you can't laugh at it, um, no, I, I love it. I want to see it again, but I love it. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, they're, they're they gave lyrics to the Star Wars tune, yeah. I mean, so uh, hey, they made they made Ewok plushies back in the day. I mean, like, and people, you know, I mean, like, whatever, it's Star Wars is whatever it is, and people need to just stop. I don't know. Uh, that that's my feeling about it is that like people people have definitely taken Star Wars way too seriously, and I don't know. I, I know a lot of people now are like turning off their their iPod uh, or their 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 podcatcher right now and not listening anymore to the show because they're like, who the fuck is this girl Jackie? She doesn't know anything about Marvel. <laughs> she doesn't know what the fuck she's talking about. Now she's like telling us that anything goes with Star Wars, but anything goes. That's a number one belief of mine. It's like let people like what they like, but but yeah, a, that is exactly why you're a valued guest to me, oh, uh, okay. or or co-host, because <laughs> co -host. the thing is, is that the opinions on these movies shouldn't be limited just to the 
hardcore fans. They shouldn't just be limited to people like me who grew up with them for 40 years or yeah, Gregor yeah. who's grown up with them for 20 something years. It It's for everybody. It, they want to get a mass audience. They don't want to just go for the hardcore nerd, which is, well, I, I always argue, want. Like, I, I am the Lorax, I speak like for the nerds. Like. Yeah. But, but at the same time, I can't buy a billion dollars worth of tickets by myself. It's important that these things be approachable for everybody and be good films for everybody. And, well, and why so, shouldn't you? Why, yeah, why should you? So I think your opinion is just as valid as mine. Exactly. Okay. Well, all right. Right on. Corey, that sort of reminds me of a TV or of, of a TV of a T-shirt that you uh, told me about about a good four or five years ago that says comics are for everyone. Comics and, are for everyone. Yes. And it's it ties that that ties directly into our next story from newsarama.com that Marvel has announced the that the Fantastic Four are back. Um, this is something I should digest because I have now just started reading the uh, Black Panther Marvel uh, uh, the comics, and this is the first of any Marvel comics I've mm -hmm. actually tried to read. But I mean, of course, I've read DC stuff. But yeah, what do you think about? I'll put it I, to I tell you this you, way. No, I'll, I'll put it to you this way, and it's probably the same way, same thing that, or same thing that Corey will say, is with the story. So, uh, with the stories that you got from the first two, or actually the three. Gosh, I blacked out the last one. Uh, Fantastic Four movies. You know, with the ideas that they gave. If you liked those, then I would say yes. Read the, or you know, pick up this comic book, because right now what they're doing with Marvel, um, with the great writer and artist chip zadarsky he is doing what is called marvel two-in-one as an ongoing series featuring the uh the thing and johnny storm and they are this whole quest they're on this quest to find reed and sue richards because of the fact that oh and yeah you're right you can count four if you count the roger corman version but i don't count that because i you can't go down to a store and, or an itunes and be like i want the roger corman fantastic four Mainly because there's no more no more blockbusters, and you'd have to get the guy who bootlegged everything. But anyways, uh, Marvel Two and One, they're the Thing and uh, the Human Torch are on a quest through multiple dimensions to try to find the rest of their family. And this is being this is them being reintroduced because they haven't been. Gosh, when did they get canceled? Um, it was. Well, let's let's backstory this for a second. So. One of the things to know is that the Fantastic Four was canceled several years ago. Trying to remember the name of the event. I don't give a shit of what led to it. It Civil War Two. Was it? it was, no, it was one of the universe-spanning ones. Secret Wars or something. They they killed the book. But the reason that the Fantastic Four went away again goes back to Ike Perlmutter being pissed off that they were doing comics and developing stories to be taken to be used by fox movies instead of their own house movies because they couldn't control their own destiny in the films they said well why the hell should we keep printing these comics with these characters that they can steal from they they were at that point in time also not introducing new characters in x-men comics uh making the x-men just completely unrecognizable for the same reasons it was a pissing contest of this billionaire guy who who is in is the head of marvel because he didn't like that somebody else had access to his toys over him. Yeah. Yeah. Again, that's a lot of that's a lot of inside baseball talk that may or may not be a thousand percent true, 
but it seems kind of like it was true. What the so, fuck, people? Can't we all just get along and just yeah? yeah. So, <laughs> which is true, and I mean, it's it's Did very this- selfish. But this was because this was before you know with the whole movies and things. So this was when Ike Perlmutter had total control over everything. So it was you know it, it was very much one of those like, and I get it. You know, I'm I'm not a fan of it, but I I understand it. I don't know that I want to even dive into Marvel anymore. Well, Marvel's bankruptcy in the '90s caused a lot of these problems. That's why people <laughs> at these studios Jesus got in, perpu- in, perpetu- in perpetuity <laughs> rights to these characters. So there are characters that, are, like Sony, having access to Spider-Man and all those things. Marvel, yeah. it was they had to put out a Fantastic Four movie every few years. Or, or not Marvel, uh, Fox had to put out a Fantastic Four movie every few years or they would lose the rights. So they would put out, that's why the Roger Corman one existed. That's why the the most recent one existed. But that's why they lost Punisher is because they didn't put out a Punisher movie in time. So Marvel got those rights back and they got to make the Netflix show. And then there are deals like where Sony made a deal with Marvel to have Spider-Man be put into the cinematic universe. I'm just it, it's because, DC. I, it's I'm because Marvel made bad deals in the 90s but because they were also bankrupting themselves for a lot of dumb things that the investors in in charge of them did so it's not from a creative aspect it's a bean counter aspect and the bean counters are always shit for stories and that's the problem is you get the bean counters in charge and it's about how much money we can make off of this and how much money do we lose over here versus hey man i was writing spider-man comics and people thought they were great but now i don't get to anymore because someone's a dick that's that's essentially what happened here. Yeah. What's going on right now is we're finally seeing the return of the Fantastic Four as a team and the Fantastic Four comic, which is the launching comic of pretty much the entire Marvel Universe, should have always existed. We're getting it back, no. and that may be, again, because of the possibility of the acquisition of Fox by Disney. Or, here's the other thing. This is just an opinion. The Fantastic Four comics weren't selling Fantastic. Uh, uh, the, the concept is kind of not exactly exciting to the modern comic fans. You get the right creator on there, sure, everything's great. People were really excited with what Hickman was doing on Fantastic Four and FF. the Future Foundation. Yeah, FF. But it wasn't selling gangbusters. And so giving it time away gives time to build up fan anticipation and excitement now there are people who are purists to say there should always be a fantastic four book I, I kind of agree with that but are you putting out a book just to put out a book or do you do like marvel's been doing with a lot of their other titles and put out a new number one every six months they forwent that to do something different for whatever the reasons being is that now fantastic four is coming back it's something to be excited about they're putting one of their top writers on the book uh, people will have different opinions on dance lot but he is one of Marvel's top writers. He did a 10-year stint on Spider-Man. Now he's going to be doing Iron Man and Fantastic Four. Uh, Sarah Pacelli, who did was a co-creator of uh, Miles Morales with Brian Bendis, is going to do the artwork for this. So it sounds conceivably like this is something to be really excited for. And the fact that it comes out of the Chip Zdarsky series of the Marvel 2-in-1, which people are enjoying, mm-hmm. means that it's got built-up anticipation for story. All in all, I think this is great. Now... We can concentrate on the the shitstorm behind the scenes, or we can just be like, hey, Marvel's going to put out a new Fantastic Four. And maybe this lays the groundwork to make the Fantastic Four a property that is interesting so that they can get a good movie finally. 
uh, yeah. because it's been rough going for them in that regard. If you can get somebody who does something fun, but modern and exciting with the book, maybe it can make something fun and modern and exciting with the movies. Otherwise, Incredibles 2 is coming out next year, and that's going to be great. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, to to add a little bit like of the backstory side of things, because Corey knows the business really well, but he hasn't been reading the business that long. The Fantastic Four ended in 2015. The core members of the Fantastic Four stuck around until 2016's Secret Wars number nine. That was the last thing Jonathan Hickman did for Marvel for a good long time until he possibly comes back in the future. I don't know. I can't see into that or see into the future. And they've left Marvel to be in a pocket dimension and rebuild the multiverse. Since then, we've seen Franklin and Valeria in the uh, Marvel Legacy number one. And we had Ben Grimm with the Guardians of the Galaxy for a while. And Johnny Storm was with Peter Parker over and also in, with the humans. Yeah. And, and with the humans, yeah, over in Amazing Spider Man and the Uncanny Inhumans book. But yeah, so honestly, like to hit on what Corey said, you can either focus on the bullshit behind the scenes stuff. I tend to look at this. In the article, there's a quote from Dan Slott or from uh from CB Sabolsky, who is the Marvel editor in chief for the comic book side, and he says this Dan is one of the biggest fans of the Fantastic Four. But he has this uncanny ability, ha ha ha, because it's a Marvel word, to have this encyclopedic memory of almost everything that's ever happened in a Marvel comic, including Fantastic Four from the first issue. And the respect the and, and respect the past in the stories, but also drive the story forward with new ideas, new ways of thinking, and new approaches to these things that we haven't seen before. So that's the part that I think is really cool. I mean, you have it sounds like Jeff Johns over at DC. It, or, or Mark Wade doing anything. Well, yeah, Mark Wade, absolutely. Yeah. So I mean, these are like these guys who just breathe the history of this, you know, of the things that they're going to be working on. So it's like, you know, you get someone who's passionate about about what they, you know, what they love doing. What you know, these things that brought them into, you know, Fantastic Four is probably what brought Dan Slott into wanting to write comic books and all that, and so. Now he's doing it. He's getting to write it. I'm pretty sure he's, you know, over the moon and all that stuff. And I mean, I've loved Sarah Pacelli's work on Miles Morales' Spider-Man. He is one of my favorite characters out there. And I'm excited to see what they do next, you know, with, with what this comes, you know, I can't wait for this to come out. I think when I go to the comic book store next, I'm going to try to put this on my pull list right away. And be like, Fantasy Four, but put it on there now, now, do it now. <laughs> and, and also to your point of, of, uh, C.B. Sobolski is the new editor-in-chief at Marvel Comics, still yeah. only been in the position for a couple of months. We knew that there was going to be a lot of movement that was going to happen. It, it just is a natural thing when you get a new editor-in-chief in. Books getting canceled, relaunched. They've had a couple of stops and goes. But it seems like this is one big announcement in what is going to be a sea of announcements that are going to come up pretty fast of new creative teams uh, picking up different titles. With Bendis leaving recently, that's also part of the reason why these things have to kind of get shuffled around too. So it's not it's not just the, the background noise of like Ike Perlmutter. It's also, this is what this guy was brought in to do, is to get new creative teams on these books, to make them exciting new readers, to sell comics. And the only way you can sell comics 
is to make good comics, to tell good stories, to have good art. And at the end of the day, that's all that really counts. I, I frequent comic bulletin boards and uh, I'm using a prodigy term, but all these things where all this news comes out. And it's it's interesting to me to see that. But that's not what 97 percent of the fandom sees. Ninety seven percent of the fandom just sees the comics that they pick up and read and yeah. they either like them to keep reading them or they don't. And the object is to sell comics. So hopefully this sells a lot of comics for Marvel. And also to give you guys even just, you know, with my own personal uh, reading history, I've been reading comics for, I think, seven years now. How long have we been doing the show? You know, like, because it's back when, you know, the what we're watching um, weekly days. You know, about our, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sometimes it feels like we've been doing it for like years. But um, that's, you know, this show is really what got me into reading comic books, you know, from a weekly basis. And that at that time it was, you know, we were strong into uh, Jonathan Hickman's uh, run, you know, doing all the events that Marvel Comics was doing and stuff like that. And it's just one of those things that I like looking at it now, like looking back at there, it's like there wasn't that many books that weren't written by or actually the books that I really loved weren't the books that were written by Dan Slott or Jonathan Hickman. It was these other smaller books from these writers and artists who worked differently. It was, you know, Hawkeye from Matt Fraction and uh, David Aha. And it was uh, these other little books like that. And I'm like, and that's where I'm like, okay, now we have real diversity here with these comics with, you know, like Black Panther being written by ta Coates, um, who is going to be taking over Captain America and I think the Avengers and stuff like that and you know g willow wilson you know creating ms marvel the kamala khan version and just been you know running with it having you know one of the most consistent runs of a legacy character to date i mean it's really cool to see that marvel is doing this that they're you know diversifying what was once the boys club of oh yeah well here we've got our you know our six writers all lined up here now it's like you know now that's the six have turned into 20 and all that and it's really good to see him in my eyes fair enough but yeah. i watched the uh fantastic mr fox yesterday nice <laughs> i'm just nice, saying yeah. i i know that doesn't relate to it at all but i rewatched <laughs> it because i'm i'm pumped for isle of dogs yeah i've i've been seeing that <laughs> I've been seeing... i just thought it would be funny to say that. oh no jackie uh you don't realize that me and Corey pull half this shit out of our ass <laughs> <laughs> and the other half we just shoved right back in there i mean yeah i don't know i think i might do that when isle of dogs comes out you know just rewatch fantastic mr fox because i keep seeing the it's well, the same trailer I'm like, I, I want this now i am a i live and breathe and uh any kind of stop motion so yeah. i just oh you know and i'm coming at it from the wes anderson side like i've uh, and i, I love, love wes anderson yeah. yes absolutely i love bottle rockets rockets when it first came out like yeah um i i'm 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 all about it yeah yeah but yeah that is gonna do it for the news guys and we will be right back with the else views Jackie, you were showing us your finger puppets earlier. So can we actually do a literal ad of where people oh. can get yes. your stuff? I, I I mean, I guess, but you can't get these by paying for them. Um, well, no, honestly, I, okay, there's here. I am the ad dragon. And um, I also have some. I've got not just some. I've got like a hundred of these already made. But here's two of them. These are Scam School Brian's Mr. Happy Pants or Happy Pants. 
um, yeah, Mr. Happy Pants. And uh, um, I'm going to do that. And I'm also working on Captain Morgan um, and the Animal Fairy. And uh, these are little finger puppets that I've created to take to me to various cons throughout the summer or whichever con I actually make it to. And I'm going to just hand them out to like Frog Pants, Diamond Club people, and just whoever I run into that I know. I'll be like, oh, here, here you go. Here's a puppet for you. Um, nice. And, so if uh, someone comes up and they identify themselves, they self-identify as a Frog Pantser or a, a Diamond Club member. Yeah, Tabu, you're just yeah, yeah. Diamond yeah. Club. Any, any of you guys. Um, they, yeah, they, absolutely. They come up and they just go, I'm a part of the Diamond Group. Yeah, a Diamond Group too. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, if you're a Diamond Group, you get five of these and you get 10 of these. Like, because Diamond Group is more selfish than, you know, they, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, no, you'd get more. Um, but, but also, uh, I do have a Patreon, patreon.com slash Jackie Aaron. And uh, any, anybody who's already a member or, or signs up, yeah, not that, don't, don't go there yet. Cause I've been working on this project and I haven't fulfilled my goals and stuff. So d don't sign up for it. But uh, if, if you're currently a patron, on my Patreon, you're definitely going to get all of this sent to you in the mail. So uh, even if you don't go to one of the cons. And and just in general, that's that's something to look out for. If you are someone who uh, is part of the Tadpool or part of Diamond Club or, or just a Jackie fan, it, she's been on many shows. She's She's uh, been on shows at our friends on the Ink Geek Studios Network. She is all over the place. Go to these cons. Look out for her. Uh, not just for the free stuff, but also because she's amazing. Cause and you can, it's always nice to connect with friends. Because I'll give you a big old hug. And, yeah. yes. and no, well, I won't give you a wet, sloppy kiss because then you're going to hashtag me to me. You might also get <laughs> a, a, a bag full of poop. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I have been keeping that up. Um, I have been on point with that, but, uh, but, but it's not that I'm not working. I am working hard. I have been working really hard on, uh, some claymation stuff. Like, uh, you know, I got this little dude right here and he's going to play a character and here's another face, of another person. They're going to be like, Oh, I hate you. I hate you too. You know? Um, but, uh, <laughs> I, I haven't, I, I, I've been holding off because I I I, I want to release something all at once. Like I want to yeah. do a big thing, and I'm I'm working on lighting. You know, I got friends in Hollywood; they're helping me out lighting and audio and shit. And uh, yeah, so but you'll you'll see it one day. Well, well, two things I want to point out: one, perfect is the enemy of done. Uh, <laughs> so so give yourself some slack that you can make something and not not try to like blow up the world with it, but just make something that's you and pure and fun and wonderful like you do and two i'm calling bullshit on don't support jackie's patreon yet because there's not a reason to not support people who make great things even if they're not done with it that's the point is you're supporting them to help them get there uh if you have the uh, ability you have the opportunity then please go and support our friend jackie she deserves oh, thank it thank you thank you thank you do it but you know what? Better, well, maybe you do that at the end. But there's a better Patreon to support, and and um and uh, you know that would be uh, Patreon.com/slash/GalacticCast, which I'm a Patreon of or patron of. Um, so make sure you support these dudes that have me on your show, because they've tolerated my ignorance. 
and marvel this entire time. Are you kidding? Okay, tolerating Jackie. ignorance is what the show is about. <laughs> yeah, tolerating ignorance is my job at work. So I mean, this <laughs> yes, is, mine this too. Is, this is nothing because I mean, you're like the rare people that that I get at work that actually want to learn. Problem exists between Google Hangouts and keyboard. <laughs> yeah, so like you get people coming in and oh god, I want to help people so much. Sorry. The way I see it is that there are no fake geeks. If if you have the interest in something as big or as small, then you're allowed. I appreciate that. You guys are being too kind. Um, but yeah, all right. So we can move on. So this is the Else Views. Uh, the first one is the next in a long line of shows that have been rebooted or restarted. Um, this is Roseanne. They aired the first two episodes um, Tuesday. Yeah, Tuesday. And I gotta say, this has actually done something interesting for me because when I was growing up, when the shows, when the show first came out, I wasn't the biggest fan. You know, I'd watch it occasionally. I watched it a little bit more when it aired on Nick at Night, but I watched, for the most part, I watched more Full House. Now we get, we fast forward to what, two years ago when we got Fuller House, or last year when we got Fuller House and it going on, and we're at, one day at a time three seasons well i never watched the original one day at a time but i do okay. like that the one day at a time the new one um, i i got suckered in into a couple episodes of those yeah. one day at a times and i was kind of surprised because i fucking hated the original <laughs> but this is something actually really interesting with the whole roseanne full house thing is i've switched i'm i've gotten really bored of fuller house Okay. And I loved watching Roseanne. Now it was it was weird because my mom and her boyfriend, like, because I was watching uh, wrestling at the time because Tuesday Night SmackDown. Come on. And I heard them, and I heard actually him laughing at different part or at the the show. And you know we're not that far apart, but so like I could hear what he was laughing at. And I'm like, oh, Roseanne must be on. And then later when I'm watching it the next day, I'm like, I think we were laughing at different parts. And, uh, but it it was working. Like I mean, like I've fully loved this show. They brought everyone back. The only person that I haven't seen in here was Johnny Galecki, but he comes back later on in the show. What network is this on? A network? This is or yeah. This on is ABC on ABC. Again. ABC. Okay. Yeah, it's come back to ABC, and they actually done an interesting thing because with how the original ended, I believe Dan had a heart attack and Roseanne won the lottery. The is, the original. Season nine, the last season of the show, uh, turned out to all be in the imagination writing of the Roseanne character. Dan had had a heart attack the end of season eight, and season nine began with them winning the lottery and and going on, and a lot of weird stuff happened. Characters changed completely, relationships switched off, a whole bunch of stuff happened, and at the last episode of the show, she revealed that she had done all that in the story to kind of work her way through uh, the anxiety that happened from Dan having a heart attack and dying. Oh, uh, okay. I vaguly, I, I, I didn't really watch it at all, but I mean, it the was last season culture, is commonly so. considered to be terrible. Yeah. It well, ruined I, all of the heart of the show, and I never wasn't particularly I ne- funny. I never really enjoyed it ever. Uh, like, I, I mean, I it just like there was something about just kind of the. I don't know what I was saying about culture or something uh, that I didn't like, but, but, but I'm sure it was a great show. And I know a lot of people who do like it and, and I totally respect that. So I'm actually looking forward to checking it out. Yeah. See what this is about because, uh, 
you know. The other beautiful thing is because they, they, you know, it was filmed in front of a studio audience, but they didn't do for the oh. first episode. They didn't do. No, it's the, the legit. No, no, no. I mean, the laugh track crap is. No, but it's, okay. Here's the thing, though. It's not a laugh track. It is legit in front of a studio audience. Is it? Is it now yes. legit in front of an audience? Yes. Whoa. Okay. They, they sit there and they uh, say, and they've even shown in the promos leading up to the show the audience and stuff like that. But I will say, even in recorded in front of a live audience, there's still a laugh track because they still put up the signs to tell the audience how to laugh and how loud to laugh. There's um, with that. I didn't. I didn't catch any of that at all in here. It seemed like it was just. And, and when to swoon and go oh yeah but like they 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 have those signs that yeah. is that is much closer to what you get on uh fuller house yeah on fuller house because i don't think we've seen any i don't think i heard any swooning or anything here but i and i think that might be why i like it a little bit more because to compare reboot pilot to reboot pilot the fuller house one was definitely way more well, here's, you know, here's DJ and her kids. And now here's, yeah, and everyone's like, yeah. And, and then in comes uh, Kimmy Gibbler. And, yeah. Yeah. And it's all very much like this. And then, and the best part on there was when John Stamos made a crack at Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen for not being a part of the thing. And everyone laughs. And that was really Whoa. the. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was really. The best part of that pilot with Roseanne, you get none of that. It's just they go about their lives. It was. It's literally, huh? It's literally like the start of season ten, which you could almost just call it season nine, and just you know forget about the fantasy island season nine that they had before, that they ended with. But yeah, I mean, it full on like it starts with because didn't season eight end with Roseanne going Dan, Dan like that, like over and over. Was him dying? Because he had a heart attack. Because he had a heart attack, yeah. So they started with that, but he's what? on a CPAP machine. Like he's like, right. what? I was having a good right. dream. And all that. And it's you know really funny. The cast up and down, I loved. If you watched Shameless, the actress who plays Debbie plays Darlene's oldest kid in here. And it really seems like it's sort sort of, you know, a clean down version because I mean, you know, Shameless is on showtime but a clean down version of debbie because she's just you know bitchy teenager and all that in here but yeah it's really good really uh, really fun i'm definitely going to be watching this um i've added it to my series uh watch list thing on hulu so if i can't watch it live because of other things or work i will definitely be watching it the next morning on hulu uh-huh i have a serious post post-it note uh, where I, I've actually, it's come down to the point where I have to write down, this happens to be like twice a year. I have to fucking write down every television show that I want to watch to remind myself to actually watch it. Yeah. When, I, <laughs> when Hulu was still free, it was sort of the opposite thing because I would see all of them because they would release them early or have clips and stuff like that. <laughs> and, yeah. Well, I um, mean, I've, I've been looking at HBO and other places yeah, and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But no, yeah, I'm probably not that far behind doing from doing that myself. You know, just like here's a list. And you know, and also it helps me prioritize that like uh I don't really need to watch um that last episode of uh let me see. I don't know which one I went to Homeland. Like I've been catching Homeland cuz I used to do a podcast on it, but 
eh, I don't really need to see that because I'd rather watch the season finale of High Maintenance, you know, or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Anyways, so yeah, that's awesome. I'm 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 definitely gonna check it out then. I appreciate your uh was it you that mentioned um the show on I think it was ABC. God, I can't remember the name of it, but it ha the girl, I think she was in Fargo Downward that had dog. the dog. Downward, Downward dog. dog. Which oh unfortunately my... was canceled. But yes. Was a favorite show of mine for that entire season that it was on. Okay. I love that. I immediately watched it like the next week after we talked. And I God, it was so good. I loved every minute of it. And when it was canceled, I, I I tweeted a bunch of stuff, and I think they tweet whoever owned their Twitter account retweeted something I said about them because I was so gun ho about them, like that how sad it was that that show was going to go. But yeah, there there there's a there's a show now on Amazon called Cat, and I was like, and it was like this cat has a job, but she doesn't even know she's a cat. She thinks she's a human. She's got roommates. And I watched like five minutes of that thing. And I was like, this is this this insults me as a cat owner. <laughs> it, it was so horrible. And it 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 definitely wasn't like Downward Dog at all. Um yeah. so but yeah. Yeah, the, the thing about Downward Dog, just real fast, is that I don't think we knew what kind of show it was until several mm -hmm. episodes in when it really became evident that it's about the anxieties of, of people and then seeing those anxieties reflected in the dog the whole time yes, and, and exploring depression and exploring, you know, what is my meaning in life and everything. It was so well done and, so well and done. at times could be really dark and heartfelt, but still be really funny. Like every time the dog was talking, you're just like, I can't believe how hilarious this is. But then at the same time, it's kind of tugging you inside. Like, wow, I explore those feelings too. Or I, I feel like that all the time. And it, it was just so well done. And I think it was a show that was not easy to pitch to an audience. Yeah. Because there, there's no way to just simply explain it. You, you have yeah. to kind of see it and experience and go along with it. Because it sounds ridiculous, but it played out so beautifully. And, and her, her sort of broken relationship with her on-again, off-again boyfriend. And how that kept going back and forth. And how she felt betrayed by him, but couldn't also let him go at the same time. And how he wanted to still be there for her, but couldn't really find the responsibility himself. It was excellent the whole time. And it's it's a kind of wonderful little show that kind of is better that it's ever so brief. Because it's it's inconceivable to see that magic lasting indefinitely. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, honestly, Downward Dog was one of those shows where I was like... Um, I can't look at my dog. I feel too guilty. Go away. Go away. I know. <laughs> I know. Like, I mean, I, I've never felt good at like having s intimate relations in my bedroom with my cats around, you know, but like yeah. now never again, <laughs> they're going to have to go sit outside the door. You know? Yeah. So I'm going to hit my other else view real quick because and it's honestly, it's going to be real quick. It's, uh, I finally okay. watched it. The people can, you know, the one commenter we got can quit complaining. I've watched Justice League. I only like Justice League. From what you missed, we, when the movie came out, we talked about the movie and some of the, the, the effects, you know, it, we were trying to stay away from reviewing the movie because not, neither me nor Corey had seen it. And all I've got to say is, 
good God, Henry Cavill, shave your fucking lip for the next movie. <laughs> I I have loved him as an actor. I loved him in the Tudors. I loved yeah. him as the Lord of Norfolk or whatever he was that uh, yeah. he played in the Tudors. But there's something about this. Like when I saw him in the Justice League, I thought, is this him? Like he, <laughs> the, just the, his face and the fucking smugness of Superman pissed me off. Yeah. Like, it, it, uh, come on, take it <laughs> down a bit. I mean, we get it that you're Superman, but you don't have to be so goddamn smuggy, you know? Yeah. And, and that, that's the one thing about, I, about this film I did not like, but I definitely actually really enjoyed it. And I know most people didn't. And uh, okay. Okay. I'm sorry. This is your no, review. No, you, not no, mine. You're good. You're good. You're good. Okay. Um, but, but I will say very quickly that I, I tried to watch it in the theater and uh -huh. I, I made a complete fool of myself because I, I'm a former projectionist uh, or I'm a certified projectionist still. And um, I was so pissed off at the theater for not having any flat um, screens. They only had scope screens and they were trying to show this film on a scope screen. So like it, you know, it's kind of curvy and they didn't have any masking. So it was oh, like in the God. middle of the screen, here's, here's your movie. Enjoy it. And, and I know that people didn't like the film because I could tell nobody else was pissed off. I was pissed off. I went out and I complained a couple of times. Like, can you do something about the masking? And they were like, well, we decided this was an AMC theater. It's like, we decided years ago that we would take that out. And like, we just, and I'm like, this is bullshit. This is fucking projection 101. You could put some fucking masking up there because you've got all this like gray screen. And no wonder everyone hates the fucking film. So I, I, <laughs> I didn't I didn't actually decide that I enjoyed it until I watched it on DVD. Um so, so that's honestly that is why I have not went to the it used to be Carmike Cinemas, now is an AMC. Uh, theater because of um i'm 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 an audiovisual nerd i'm i'm basically i was the th the the behind the scenes theater geek but was just lazy enough to not get involved in theater um to yeah. where but it's like with them like i remember watching the dark knight there and the one theater where it actually was slightly okay and then watching the avengers where it was like keystone and i'm like what the fuck why are we you know why are we you know doing the trapezoid shape here and I'm like, I look back, I'm like, oh, it's because your your projector's over here in the corner. Why isn't it in dead goddamn center? <laughs> and all that. And it's like, <laughs> damn it. Yeah. To answer your question, beat no, I I watched Justice League on, I bought the Blu-ray. Conveniently enough, when I got my uh, Samsung S9 Plus at Target, I got a $100 gift card. So I got that Shape of Water, Coco, and Jumanji for free, essentially, because gift card you know free money nice oh, sweet. yeah and then also stuff for my tattoo that i had gotten the night before what? but yeah i mean that's honestly is my biggest complaint is the whole mustache thing because i can tell it it, it literally <laughs> took me out every time <laughs> no it is because it took me out i get you know, i'm like i'm sitting there i'm like mustache i didn't it, even see it well no you don't see it it, it was poorly edited out it's the same thing as is what we were talking about earlier with the new x-men movie and, and new mutants they have to have reshoots done yeah. they had to do reshoots with a lot of the henry cavill scenes of so Superman. that's why he looks so fucking weird 
Yes, he had grown out a mustache for his role in the new Mission Impossible, oh and he couldn't shave it off to be in the reshoots. So they edited it, and they did a piss poor job of editing. And and as people have proven online, hey, we took some of the original footage and we edited out the mustache, and he looks like an actual human being instead of whatever you made him look to be. Not the s- opening of the movie is a scene of him seeming oh, the most like Superman yes. he's ever been. Oh my God, uh, I had no idea. Looking like a freak. It's like, I didn't know that the Justice League had Plastic Man in it in this film. But <laughs> that's what it appeared. That was my biggest... Oh my God, yes. So, so what it is, and, and what it is... Maybe he would it, have been so smug to me if it hadn't been for yeah. his weird face. No, no, because that's honestly what it is, is because if you look at, so from- Like, even movie, in those romantic scenes with Lois yeah, Lane, yeah. I felt like, run, bitch, run! <laughs> so what it what it was, was the, a lot of the talking scenes were reshot from, from like, what it looks like from oh. being like, I'm here, and stuff like that. But the- if God, you look, I hate if you, you guys again, for knowing so much about oh, no, everything. No. I, I apologize, because <laughs> this is... This is my intro to music, or no, my understanding music class all over again. Because someone t- pointed out about the teacher in college, it pointed out like, oh, he, you know, he'll, you know, get sidetracked on baseball, and uh, like, I go into class the next day, and I'm like, in my head, I'm just like, God damn it, you had to, you had to pop the balloon, but no, because honestly, what it is th- that I feel like the no, no, actually, you made me like it better now. Yeah. But no, but what it is with the whole thing is, if you look closely at, at Henry Cavill's upper lip, this sounds weird coming from me, but whatever. He has the I don't know what you call it, but the the spots that go down below your nostril, <laughs> those protrude a little bit more than than what it does when it's so it's flat. So that that's what it is. Is when they did it, they didn't give the depth because you'll notice, especially in the, the in, in quarter shots and all that. So that's where I'm like. Uh, CG, and sometimes it, it the mustache created like a hair lip thing, where it's like like this like hair. I'm like, stupid. It sounds like a lot of poor decisions was made in the making. Yeah, yeah, this. and the and um, I, I mean in the story, um, the CGI or otherwise CGI, other than that, like uh, I mean, uh, there was nothing I really had an issue with. I I I enjoyed it. Here's what I'll say about the story: the story made me respect the choices and i'm gonna piss off Corey here now the choices and and the way the stories were told in man of steel and batman v superman because if you look at this as the superman trilogy this is where we get the closest to if not getting a truer representation of superman where he there's these there's a scene in the movie where he and granted it's towards the end but superman doesn't appear till later on but where Batman has, you know, they're in the Russian place where Steppenwolf is, you know, turning the world, you know, combining the three mother boxes and all that. And Batman's like, okay, come on, we're going to go fight him. But Superman with his super hearing hears people go, you know, out there and goes and helps them, you know, complete opposite from Man of Steel, where it's like, right. where he was just, where he was just solely focused on defeating Zod. Yes. So it's it's this beautiful, aggravating but beautiful arc going from basically it's it's honestly a Superman that didn't dis- or decided to use his powers later in life, so we're just ignoring all of Smallville. So my question, my question to you, Gregor, is 
the scenes that you're talking about in Justice League where Superman is making the conscientious choice to go save people as opposed to fighting the villain. And mm -hmm. I also want to point no, out... No, that, that's the, spot on the, Superman. The very first scene of Wonder Woman in this movie is when she is saving a group of people in a building that looks very similar to the building where Superman was when he broke Zod's neck. Were those scenes put into this by the original creator on the movie or by Joss Whedon? Is it a course correct or was it always planned? Now, I can't tell you which it was. Oh my God, you motherfuckers. Feel like, because this is a movie that is two halves, it's it's two fathers yeah. trying to guide this film. And 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 some people can can astutely say, oh, well, that one's obviously uh, Zack Snyder. Oh, that one's obviously Joss Whedon. I, I'm not as comfortable saying which is which, but it does seem that in some of those things, it may be that this is not saying this was always the plan for Justice League to to bring us the Superman that we believe in after going through a, a, a movie where I feel like there was no Superman and a movie where Superman was the villain to a very confused world's greatest detective. Uh, yeah. because somebody decides he likes piss in a jar and wants to manipulate other people because both their moms are named Martha. I don't know if that was always the destination we're going to reach or if it was just circumstance of changes. Either way, I, I think I've, I've mentioned before, I enjoy a good amount of Justice League in ways that I have not enjoyed Batman v Superman or Man of Steel. It's still just my opinion. Um, yeah. But I, I feel like DC's film universe is course correcting in a way that I prefer. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because I definitely liked Wonder Woman for the first two thirds, especially, and it falls apart for me when it starts to look like a Zack Snyder war fighting movie. Um, mm. I liked, I liked a lot of the humor in Suicide Squad, even though it had no coherent plot and was just over the top of you over the top and was a long drawn out movie trailer instead of an actual film. I like Justice League probably, again, more because of the Joss Whedon stuff, but because I think it made a coherent team. It made me like Cyborg. And I like Cyborg in Teen Titans, but I have not liked Cyborg as part of the Justice League. But I like the portrayal of the character in this film. So oh, yeah. overall, I think we all came out of it feeling a lot better with this movie than what popularity says about it. Was it a perfect film? No, but it had so many things stacked against it, from the mustache to the two different directors, writers, to Warner Brothers trying to make it a different movie than what it was originally going to be because they were having problems with the vision that Zack Snyder was having and the success of it from before. So many things against this film being at all good, and I think it achieved a lot more than what it was probably ever likely to with that much against it so here's what i think they are trying to accomplish now because actually, actually before i get to that i want to hit on the characters the trinity you know batman superman one woman you know they're you know one woman boom they've already got you know gal gadot was really was really good in here felt like to me like she was playing the mother in this because like she gave it seemed like the same look every time it was sort of like the you guys no there look. was a lot of i I, it, I i definitely felt like as a female character they she fell into i don't know they used her 
definitely in a way that didn't make me feel well i'll wait until we talk about black panther and the yeah. female roles there yeah. compared to woman although i'm so super happy with dc for being the one to give this much attention to wonder woman mm -hmm. uh when dc has not done that we don't have a black widow yet you know s specific individual film so in marvel so that I, okay but yeah I I definitely was feeling a little uncomfortable with some of Wonder Woman's like uh, judginess. Uh, eh, well, she was I mean, she was the stoic straight character where everybody else got to be more laid back and comedic and stuff. She was always the one who was kind of judging Bruce on his actions, and he always got to make the the funny joke lines of like the the self sabotaging, like yeah, I kind of yes. suck, you know, yes. and oh, I really yes. fucked up there yes. and all that stuff. And she's just like, she just shakes her head. The, the, the Gregor said it, the mom on the and sitcom. The comment like, from Poseidon that she's the, she was sexy and beautiful and like, and then all like a uh, flash being like oh, blah, 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 around her. Like, and um, just, just kind of a more, I, I don't know. I, I, yeah. I, I definitely felt a little bit of uh, oh, a dude wrote this. She, she know? didn't have enough personality reflected in this of, of what she is. I, I don't think she was necessarily out of character, but her character was hardly explored. And mm -hmm. especially after having so much great stuff done in the Wonder Woman movie I agree. with her. It, but, it, but the it Wonder Woman backstory, or, or I mean, the Wonder the, uh, the the Isles of Wonder Woman, or whatever, uh, like that that uh, that absolutely was. Uh, I I think that was probably one of the best parts of it, you know, because there there's like five different stories going on here, and um, I think I think that was the one part that I maybe it was just me, maybe it was because I was looking for the Wonder Woman, yeah. But I enjoyed that more. But yeah, you're right, her character. Like her her lines in this story is nothing to write home. I mean, I just didn't. I don't know. And, and we also we also know again, Zack Snyder prefers longer movies. When this thing got announced that it was going to be under two hours, a lot of people were pissed, and and they're like, "Well, that's that's just not long enough to do this movie." Maybe that's true. Maybe it is too short to do this movie. There are a lot of characters. Some of them we're seeing for essentially the first time, other than little quick flashes uh -huh, uh, here and there in Batman v Superman. To try to establish that, to try to establish a villain who I think was not well established at all. And the no. motivations, uh, the concepts of mother boxes and those never get explained. Th there's just so much going on that, of course, the ones who've had their own solo films before this should not get the same level of exploration as some of these other things do. But again, the, the movie was shot to be one thing and then edited to be another thing. And at the end of the day, it, we're lucky that we got something that was as enjoyable as it was. Fair so, I mean, Batman, they're hitting a little bit more, you know, more the detective, less of the, you said Martha, Martha, you know, character. Superman already <laughs> talked about. But then you get the three new characters of Aquaman, played by Jason Momoa. Cy uh, cyborg. Uh, cyborg which i'm blanking on the actor who's who plays him i think it's like ray something mm -hmm. and then ezra miller who plays the flash i love those three characters i you know like Corey, like you said earlier i felt like they really did nail cyborg you know especially the the drama of well am i man or am i machine sort of deal aquaman it was just a great new take on him even with like i i felt like it was 
it was Ben Affleck ad-libbing a little bit of these, like the whole, where he's like, you talk to fish, right? You know, like that little bit in yeah. there, like hitting at, you know, like some of the old, you know, super friends. Oh, it's Aquaman. He's the butt of a joke. What's his power? Oh, he talks to fish and he swims in the water. Okay, well, we're on land. We don't need him. Okay, guys. <laughs> but, yeah, still make, <laughs> but still making him awesome because of the fact that he seems like he can jump for miles at a time and you know, is super strong and all this stuff. And then you got the flash who was really nervous, even though we saw him a little bit in suicide squad and in justice or in a uh, Batman versus Superman for like a really quick minute. He was the one that I felt I, I loved the most because of the fact that it was now it, it does seem like it was Corey back me up from the comic books, but it seems like it was an amalgamation of Barry and it felt very much closer to Wally West. Wally yeah, West. Uh, characterization, especially in the Justice League cartoon series, it seemed so much like that. You don't yeah. get any of Barry's cop ability. You don't get him as an investigator, a CSI crime scene investigator or anything. This is a kid that this discovered his powers and is living off junk food in a way too expensive for him warehouse. <laughs> um, again, I, I wonder how do these people get these wonderful toys? Yeah, it, It's just... But it's all in all, the electricity of the characters, with the actors playing them themselves, that was the fun part for the movie. The movie yeah. was not good in looking at uh, Steppenwolf or his motivations or his animations uh, or the Parademon stuff or any of that. The, the moments that were great were these characters when they're on screen together and they're interacting. And it's that, that camaraderie, that funny, jokey dialogue that Whedon excels at and utilized so perfectly in Avengers, it's just that there was no way to make a cohesive gear in this film. I, yeah. I, I think going forward, if they go forward, they have a lot that they can take and move on with. The, the fact that they still hope to do a Ben Affleck Batman movie, the fact that they still hope to do a Man of Steel 2 with Cavill, I want those things to happen because my problems with these films have never been the actors. My problems have been the the direction of these films, the stories that they were trying to tell, and and I just didn't find them agreeable. This is when I start to see that there's something that I can get excited about with these mm -hmm. characters because I love these characters and everybody who was in this Ray Fisher was who we were thinking of who played Cyborg. Yeah. They were great. Were they in my head? What I picture when I see these characters certainly. Momoa is so far away from what Aquaman has been in the 40-something years that I've, I've known the character. But I don't have a huge problem with that because he's, he's while he's definitely I've got his fans... I've never been into Aquaman. I just, I don't know. Yeah, Aquaman was unfortunately considered a joke from the Super Friends on. Uh, oh, there's been just... some great runs of, of his book. Uh, Peter David did an incredible run of Aquaman. There's Tell me a, a mighty time. ISIS Bring bringing in Mighty Isis. Uh, Isis is a part of Legends of Tomorrow, uh, the CW show. Actually, what really? I don't know if they've turned her officially into Isis yet, but the character that's on the show is supposed to be Isis. Oh uh, my god! Don't make me go watch that. <laughs> no, uh, no, he will like... make you watch it. He's actually the one watching it and seems oh, to enjoy the season a lot. Because I, I uh, my Isis is my is my long time childhood. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. All right. Go I ahead. I don't think they're ever going to call her that at this point, but that no, is. No, you can't call her ISIS now. But you can call her Mighty Ice. Well, I don't know. Fine. Fuck it. Now, Whatever. here's. Okay. So here's here's why I, I really do love the casting of Jason Momoa. And it's 
the one time that I get, I truly get people who complain like, oh, they made Johnny Storm black and all that stuff. You have a character who is supposed to be the king of the oceans, the king of the seas, and you know the the ruler of Atlantis. And we always picture him being in the Atlantic Ocean when there's a bigger fucking ocean on the other side here called the Pacific Ocean and all that, where they have a lot of, you know, of islands in this Pacific Ocean here who Jason Momoa hails from. He was, you know, he is Hawaiian. His dad is native Hawaiian and all that to where it looks like if you were to take a king of the sea, you would do that. Like I, I would go one of two ways, either you go more like Thor where he's, you know, Norse and, you know, like, like a Viking or you go Pacific Islander. And uh, so beat is, is saying a couple things in chat. I, I want to be clear. My problem with, yeah. with Jason Momoa Aquaman, first of all, I don't have a huge problem with it. Uh, no. It has nothing to do with, with race has nothing to do with making a Pacific Islander. It is Arthur Curry. The whole thing of Arthur King of Atlantis is based off of Arthurian legend. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. so it's, it's a different kind of mindset of what the character is supposed to represent from his original creation. And then obviously has been changed. They took him and they made him funny, which is great. Uh, but they, they took all of the stoicism of Arthur who should be closer to what they had one woman act like in this because he's, he's not as funny as that. But I, again, Oh, good you point. Know, yeah. those characters are just so straight laced. It's not going to be an enjoyable movie. I think that it was a good move to do for the films. And I look forward to what they're going to do with his individual film coming up. Yeah. It was just very different from the comics and from the cartoons that preceded it. Sometimes that difference is good. Sometimes the change is healthy. It's needed to make these things happen. But I'm also a person who's a very big stickler at the same time of like Superman doesn't kill people. Batman doesn't shoot people. Those are things that are inherent to my belief of who these characters are. So if I'm saying that you can't change those things, it seems silly that in the same breath I'm saying, oh, yeah, but change Aquaman. Because it's either yeah. Aquaman doesn't matter as much to me of those things or the fundamentals of Aquaman aren't as well established as those. But I don't know that's necessarily the case. You take an Aquaman true fan and they have problems that are realistic to who the character is, not just because of the skin tone of the, the person playing them. They might have legitimate gripes, and yeah. and I have to give them that that cadence. But I just saw I, it as when he was on screen, I enjoyed him. I had fun I, I, watching I, him be I part of this it, movie. I, I, as a, I, as I, a novice I, comic person here, mm -hmm. I find it extremely sexy that you guys understand and think about this stuff so much because there's something <laughs> about it, like that is so awesome. Yeah, so, uh, I appreciate. I know. I mean, because. You know, I, I relate that to the other like geekdoms that I'm I'm heavily like I care about, and in particular in like in comedy, like you, you get like I appreciate I appreciate this <laughs> conversation. So. Yeah, here this is just gonna add to that calling out <laughs> sexiness here. But um, I, I look I look at I look at at Aquaman at Arthur Curry as this is him very early like he, he's had the powers for a while but he hasn't had the the royal pressures put on him yet i think we're going to see that more in an aquaman movie because if that was really explored here we'd have a five a five hour movie i'd still be watching the goddamn thing you know before i could review it and all that i will say as a final bit of note um they the movie had two uh, a mid-credit 
sting and a post-credit sting. I love that post-credit sting. I feel like that actually no, hold on. I'm trying to remember. No, I'm trying to remember if I saw a fake, you know, fake upper lip or not. But <laughs> just the because it, it's it's one that's done all the time. They did it in Supergirl, you know, with the with the Flash jumping over there for uh, you know the, their crossover episode where they had the right. all right, who's fastest? Which which ocean you want to run to? Like, oh well, I've never been to the Pacific, and he starts to you know goes through, and, and Superman's like. Yes, which makes you know me think that maybe DC is the West Coast and, yeah. and Marvel might be East Coast now. Yeah. In but, the um, East Coast, West Coast rivalry. And then, rivalry. And then the, uh, the, the other one of uh, Lex Luthor. Luthor, yeah. Which, we will which, start our League of Our Own. Yeah, which honestly, if they can get Jesse Eisenberg. Yeah, Jesse, I had to think about it. Was Jesse Eisenberg or Michael Sarah. Um to not sound <laughs> it was Andy Sandberg, you dick. Uh, <laughs> um, but if they can get Jesse Eisenberg to not sound and act like he does in every movie, yeah, like could, I, I, I felt I great... felt like I was watching the social network. Yeah. Um <laughs> he he would be a a great Lex Luthor. Like like it was that that proved it there. Not this emo whatever kid you had in batman versus superman i don't this... think he was emo i i think he was he he was hyper kinetic like he he always is you know he was very tense and everything like he always is he's got that high energy and but the the problem again for me in batman v superman it's not even the fact that they use eisenberg and he he plays like eisenberg does and everything it's that the motivations of the character didn't make sense they didn't get explained well. They didn't get explored well. And so his machinations just come together because you have to do it for the story to happen, even though there's no logic to it. Yeah. And Lex Luthor is a character that is one of the most intelligent and logical characters out there. He's just driven towards terrible things. And they didn't utilize that. I think Eisenberg is fully capable of that as an actor. They just gave him a bad story to perform in. And so potentially he could be is again, is he who I think of when I think of Lex Luthor, not even close, uh, you know that, but we've you know, had multiple portrayals of Luthor and it might be closer to what they were going for in Smallville than it was from the comics or from Kevin Spacey or Gene Hackman. Uh, I, there's a lot of Luthor portrayals. You know, what's fucked up is that I've watched a lot of the previous Superman's um, across the board and I almost said, "Yeah, they should get Kevin Spacey's Lex Luthor." And then I real, and then like my brain clicked. Uh, it started working because it hasn't been working throughout this entire podcast tonight. <laughs> uh, and I was like, "Holy shit, he has played Lex Luthor!" And I know that very well. Yeah. But anyways, um, yeah. But yeah, so let's. let's but they let's couldn't get him now, of course, because hashtag Me Too. Yeah, yeah, that's. Yeah, yeah, that's another that's another podcast <laughs> for another day. Yeah. So, Miss Jackie, you yes. been, you, so you watched Black Panther. So first off, I gotta, gotta say, you know, do the whole Wakandan salute. <laughs> but yeah, it, so this this led you down an, an MCU rabbit hole. So this is also gonna be our else words here. Um, okay. we're sort of transitioning, combining the two. So first off, what did you think of Black Panther, and how did this lead you down a the rabbit hole? Holy shit. And, and, thirdly, and thirdly, welcome. We have cookies. <laughs> oh, thank you. Oh, awesome. I'll take one. 
Um, yeah, I was excited when I heard that they were going to do a Black Panther. And like, I knew I was obviously very aware that there was a Black Panther comic out there. And I knew it was Marvel and I didn't really check into it and I didn't pay any much attention to it. However, I'm also, uh, you know, I got my master's degree in history and particularly American, well, Russian and American history. And I focused on like the sixties and stuff. And so I've got a, I actually met, uh, Angela Davis of the Black Panthers. Uh, and uh, whatever. She gave me some life advice that I live to today, which is just do it. Just do it. Whatever it is, you know, because people, you know, whatever. And yeah, so the Black Panther movement of the civil rights movement is something like that actually means a lot to me. And so I also learned the backstory of the Marvel comics, which is Marvel had Black Panther. And when the Black Panthers became a movement, they um, they changed his name for a while to mm -hmm. Blank uh, Black Cheetah or something. Black, Black Leopard. Right. Leopard. So, yeah. Yeah. To separate themselves from it, which I think is a shame. So I was really excited. Anyway, so I was really excited about this movie. And when I heard that there was Black Panther, I saw the, 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 the it was coming out. It's like, oh, they're making another Black Panther movie because they had one out like in the mid nineties. Um. Or, or whatever. And I was like, oh, oh, the comic book, Black Panther. Okay, well, th <laughs> that's actually pretty cool. I'll check that out. And I, so I was super excited. I saw it, you know, like opening day when I, uh, as soon as I could. And I, uh, I cried. I cried like a fucking baby through that movie. It was so beautiful. It was so beautiful. It is some of the best cinematography I've ever seen. And I've got notes here because I wanted to make sure I got them all. Hopefully I have them handy. No, I threw my notes away as I'm talking to you guys. But also the female characters. I have never in the history of film ever seen a movie with so many great, positive, and unique roles for women in one single film ever than has been in this episode this movie of black panther between angela bassett obviously denaria i always pronounce her name De wrong and i should get it right because i call her michonne but yeah. I, I do it you know uh, it's denai guerrera and then t'challa's sister the, the uh, fact Shere that is leticia right she that she is the cue of this thing she is the technology wizard of this we've got the technology wizard we've got the warrior the warrior and spoiler alert if you haven't watched it she's the one who makes the decision that yeah she loves this guy but she's going to choose loyalty over it this is not something women do in any kind of film ever and they definitely don't do it as a warrior well, as a she, general she, of an army. So I fucking loved it. I loved that this was like across the board. All these women who played in this film had, this is not something you see. Like you, you, you yes, you might get one female character that plays some kind of role that like, yeah, you're the technology wizard. and But yeah, then you still got the mama who just, I'm a mama and I'm just going to be a mama. <laughs> You know, but th there was none of that in that film. Okay, that, number one. Number two, the villain, Killmonger. Mm -hmm. He was amazing, and I 110% agreed with Killmonger. 
Killmonger, like everything he said, I agreed with. And not only that, the hero, T'Challa, Black Panther, agreed with him. And that's how the story ended. And so that on top of the cinematography and that it was beautiful. And I loved when Black Panther jumped on those cards and like ran around. And the fact that like, uh, you know, those cars were not even being operated by somebody in the same facility. Like I, my mind was blown throughout. And finally the closing credits when they were at the uh, UN and, and they gave that little speech about how what exactly what Killmonger, Killmonger was saying is that we need to bring this to the people or to everyone. We need to use, we need to now expand our technology and our great resources to save everyone across the planet. I could not, like I walked out of there kind of proud with the tears. I was just like, <laughs> like, and, and people were looking at me like, what's wrong with you, you fucking baby. But I was crying <laughs> my eyes out. I loved it. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to go back and I'm going to start watching all of the other Marvel, the MCU stuff, because there must be something here that I'm, I'm missing. There must be another plate, uh, like, uh, I guess, so I went back and, and then I started watching, I, I talked to a friend of mine, uh, and I, I need to give a shout out to Reese Dunlap, uh, who's the co-host of the RNS podcast with my friend, Stacey Baldwin. They're both my co-hosts of Black Mirror. I talked to him and he's like, okay, if you want to go start with the, with the Marvel, I would tell you very next one, go start with Captain America, Winter Soldier start there and mm -hmm. then he gave me a list and i went back and i did it in his order and then i kind of mixed around and then i'd already seen some iron man but i i started to really really kind of enjoy it in a way i never thought i would because i never enjoyed the fact that they had like an individual film and then they would do a, a war and then another war and war beyond the war to fight the next war and let's have a civil war but like let's have a war that makes more wars and then less wars like like i, I like that's the thing i don't like about marvel you're not far off marvel has things that it goes back to all the time with war being a theme uh, infinity war civil war civil war 2 all that stuff dc does it with crisis a lot um, yeah okay secret Fair war enough. marvel that, so they they have their their titles. What is more interesting is how they take those things though, and they turn them into something different and something better suited towards the films than they than what they were from the actual original comics. Because the comics can draw from a lot more history, and 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 you can have six to ten issues of a comic series, and and tell the story and have it be like a blip on the fucking radar. But in the movie, you've got to make a real impact for the characters. For the audience to to resonate to make them want to go on to the next one, uh, but yeah. you're right. The, the the from this to war to war to war to war, it it does get a little trepidatious because how many times can you put the world in absolute danger to have them solve it to, that you feel like the stakes aren't important the next time? You want to yeah. have smaller yeah. stories. You want to have smaller battles that are just as important, it? but They're aren't gonna... world shattering. Yeah. So so I want to hit on a little bit of. If I can, some of the stuff that you mentioned with your with your points. Um, so the first point with the the women in there, that's actually really big in, in the Black Panther comics with the 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 yeah, uh, Dora, Dora Milaje. It's where it's in the original comics. It was the it was a woman from each tribe because I believe Dora Milaje translates as uh, the adored ones, 
and it, they were essentially Black Panther's wives, using air quotes around there, but he was not to show favoritism to one because he, if if he did, the rest would kill that one or, or something like that. I forget where I saw that, but I saw it on a, that on a YouTube video. But then the second one with your point on, on Killmonger, I, I want to shine a light on back on Justice League because both the villains here don't have a lot of source material. You know, Eric Killmonger's featured in, I think, you know, three, four issues of Black Panther. Steppenwolf has been featured in maybe 10 in DC Comics. Yeah, but Yet- they also had a big hit with Born to be Wild. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna True. say it was something. Yeah, yeah, but you look at how they were used. Where here now you have a great, uh, you know, a great origin story for Killmonger and justification for why he's wanting to do everything. You know, and beat pointing out that uh, Killmonger wasn't really a villain in the classical sense because he wanted to do this. Because he saw, you know, Wakanda for what it was of, you know, this technological marvel, and yet, what are they doing? They're sitting out, they're sitting around, twiddling their thumbs, not helping yeah. out everyone else. And well, he was also betrayed by Wakanda, yeah, uh, exactly. for, for his father being killed. What I, what I'm really admiring, uh, thinking about it more and more, and, and from Jackie's description, is the thing with Killmonger. It does something that I don't know that I've ever seen in another comic character, at least not that I can think of, which is it makes the hero learn from and be inspired by his villain yes. uh it makes it makes that like we're used to legacies of like my father taught me this my my brother taught me this batman taught me to be robin those kinds of things to make the villain and and it shows that what they're interested in is the message not not the means the means that killmonger uses is what makes him a villain but the message that he was putting out there was important. It was things that T'Challa was already questioning about himself as it was, but he was so stuck in the living up to his father's expectations, living up in the legacy of being the Black Panther, that he wasn't thinking about the greater good as much. He was he was beholden to these things. Uh, the other part is uh, Okoye, the, the Denai Yara's character, very much the Wonder Woman of the Marvel Universe. Yeah. Uh, establishing this. Her, her points about loyalty to, so to the Black Panther, to the crown, to the throne, all that stuff. She goes through two phases of it because she is constantly loyal, even when it doesn't behoove her to be. It's not just I'm loyal to T'Challa, because when T'Challa is dead and Killmonger has become the new exactly. king, she is loyal to the new king. She mm-hmm. feels that way. She gets the choice of like, we're going to escape. Come with us. And she says, I can't. This, this is, is who I am. Nation. If I am this not loyal group. to right, if yeah. I'm not loyal to us, then I'm not loyal at all. I'm, I'm loyal to this idea and my people and this thing. And, the, and yeah. the only thing that changes is the circumstance of but T'Challa isn't dead, so Killmonger isn't officially the king. So now I am fighting with T'Challa for the rights again. It, she never changes her perspective. Mm. It's the circumstances around her change, but she is a hundred percent true. To who she final. is from beginning to middle to end. And and even again, <laughs> she says, I will not put you to her husband above what I am here to be for this land, for this country, for these people. And that is so inspiring and amazing. And to see that reflected in her character. Female character. And that's and another she's thing. She's not the only one. She's no, not she's the- not. And she's that's, not the that's only the beauty of this. character in this film. One of the she's big one complaints. Of many. She's one of all. 
Yeah, like one of the big complaints just, that Kevin Feige like has received. Yeah, Feige has received a lot of complaints. Like you mentioned earlier, there has not been a Black Widow movie yet. Uh, so right. DC got ahead of the game by doing the Wonder Woman movie and doing a fantastic Wonder Woman movie. And I don't want to take yes. anything away from them. But Marvel did something very strange. They introduced the first Black superhero movie, not including Blade, of this magnitude, Black director, Black actors all the way through, two white people in this movie. And then on yeah, top of that, and, and made it about the entire nation in Africa, but on top of that, had a more powerful female cast of characters than the male cast of characters. And that is not to take away from any yes. of the male characters in this, but no, realistically, you walk out of this the feeling... Male, the male characters were still the predominant characters. The, the female characters were all 100% supporting the characters. Movie. But you have never seen that many uh, like i don't care if you're talking about steel magnolias from the yeah. the 80s <laughs> with, with uh julia roberts or whatever you have never seen a film that has had so many very unique female characters and characters that knew who they were from beginning to end while the while the main character while t'challa struggles with who he is yes. these characters know 100 percent who they are Yes. And, and never have to go against their nature and never bend the knee to the to the man. They support him because that is the nature of who they are. Mm -hmm. But honestly, they never take away from from their abilities. And, and it's just an incredible film. And, and that's what I think is, is the basic, biggest success is that it's successful in the fact that it is an African-American based movie. But it also is a very strong woman based movie in many, many ways. And we still get the opportunity to see a Captain Marvel film come out that answers the other question, Marvel's first female-led film. When, I, I when, love every aspect when, of that. When they finally get Captain Marvel, as long as they do it okay, as long as it's done well, and you know, if it's based off of anything that I've seen with Black Panther, it will be, they will have officially kicked DC's ass, which makes me want to throw up because I love DC more. Um, I love but, DC too. And I, and I don't want to see know, DC but, get their but, ass kicked. I just want to see DC get this level. Yeah, you know, and I shouldn't have said that because I, like I said, I came into the saying, you know, who cares what you like? Like what you like. Like, there's a lot of DC that I like. There's a lot of DC I don't like. There's a lot of Marvel now that I like, and there's a lot of Marvel I don't like. But, you know, I mean, just like what you like and let people like what they like and don't shit, you know, like, I, I don't know. So, so yeah, that, that, that's definitely been my thing. So, yeah, I appreciate you uh, guys talking to me about that. I'm a Jack, novice. Found in the Marvel Universe, in the other Marvel films, what, what has drawn you in the most after Black Panther? Obviously, Black Panther was your, your entry point. You feel very strongly about it. What are the other ones that you're feeling more connected to as well? Is there anything that's like maybe not at that level or close to that level or above it? Where you know, are you um, landing with these other ones? Um, okay, so I went back. I went through all of the MCU films and started like as it was suggested with uh, a Winter Soldier. And I was like, really? Captain America? Blech. You know, like, th just the idea of it to me, I was like, I, who the fuck cares about Captain America? But Captain America might now actually be one of the characters I really enjoy a lot because I finally learned his backstory, which I didn't know. I was unaware of. 
And I totally get it. I totally get the small dude who had something happen to him and then he became a big dude. But like to me, <laughs> I didn't I didn't know that. I didn't understand that. And I kind of I, I I definitely like that. And I guess I like Iron Man only because I've always liked Rodney Downey Jr. as an actor. And I especially started to like him more when I found out that he woke up in a child's bed in a neighborhood nearby on a, a drug binge. You guys remember that? Robert yeah. Downey? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, and then I, so, so then I feel like he plays that playboy image of uh, Iron Man really well. So I, I, I like that. And then the very last one that I went through, cause I, I was going through them by like person by person. Actually, I haven't watched the original Hulk with, uh, or the 2008 Hulk with Ed Norton yet, only because people were telling me that that wasn't part of this, but apparently it is. Uh, it is and it isn't. It, it's, uh, it's weird. It, it was an attached film, but because it's not officially Marvel, it's from Universal, oh. but they do, it was their attempt to integrate Hulk into the Marvel film universe very early on. And then, of course, Ed Norton doesn't come back. We replace yeah. him with with uh banna but that's ruffio mark ruffio mark ruffio yeah yeah Ruffalo, um sorry. yeah and i actually i i enjoy him and i've always liked him as an actor as well and kind of like the little scarlett johansson or the black widow hulk little romance thing going i think that's kind of cute but you know whatever uh but 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 but, uh, but all of that crap is bullshit um but the <laughs> one that i held out on the most was iron man and um I just saw nothing appealing about Iron Man. And I did watch Ragnarok first. And then I went back and watched the others. And I don't know. I feel differently. I, I like I like Iron Man, okay? You know, I, I don't know. Like, there's nothing about any of these characters that I absolutely hate. And, of course, Spider-Man. I like that one a lot. But, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know the, what my feelings are about, what about the, the Guardian. Oh, that? I did not like because it was just so like jokey, jokey slapstick. However, I did like that. And then I also liked the fact that they used music. And I don't know why, but somehow that element of using music throughout with his mixtapes made all the little farty fart jokes like, okay. Like, I, I don't know. It, 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 like Guardians of the Galaxies, uh, I think is is definitely of its own universe. <laughs> so no pun intended or whatever. But like I I I'm looking forward to the next one. I I I it is definitely high up there for me. And uh, I don't I, see. I mean, and again, that's that's been kind of my problem. Like I I tried to watch the original Deadpool or the, tw the 2016 Deadpool before we started because i i posted that story and the only reason i cared was because of donald glover and i think donald glover could do a much better job uh <laughs> with the next version or the animated series if they'd given that a chance but i don't know i don't i don't i don't know about how i feel about that element of of turning it all into a big joke um because it, it almost seems like you know either you're you're making a joke or you're selling a toy and I don't know. I, I feel like it takes you out of the story in a way. This is Disney. So they're definitely trying to sell toys. 
but you're you're right. It, what what's interesting to me is first of all when when we get back to the very beginning of Iron Man, just being the first Marvel Cinematic Universe film and what everything is built on was that movie. They could have tried to do 10 movies that were all that. Yeah. And, and in some ways they kind of did. But I think the what's worked the most for the Marvel Cinematic Universe is that they've added in individual feelings for the different movies. The first Captain America movie, which has got that, that old school feel, uh, which is done by a person who worked on Indiana Jones, but it's got that that time quality of when it was, and it feels mm -hmm. like the serial films and stuff that came out. Then you go into Winter Soldier, which is a political thriller. Then you go into Civil War, which is more like an Avengers movie because of the amount of characters in it. Guardians being the, the space cosmic stuff with a lot of jokes. Ant-Man being very jokey, but being a heist film. That's it's compelling because everything gets to be its own separate story. What is interesting to me is now how they're going to bring all of that together. Because we are going to see the Guardians that have been very jokey interacting with. And it's not like Iron Man and the other movies haven't had jokes in them. But to see the Star-Lord character interacting with the Tony Stark character, with the Hulk character, with all these other things. And how that all mixes into what is still supposed to be taken very seriously in Infinity War, because Thanos comes in and basically can rip the whole universe apart, potentially. That's going to be the key, is we've built all these different foundations. How do we bring it all up to this one point where it all makes sense and works together? And that's incredibly challenging. But still, if nothing else, if you're a person who's enjoyed Iron Man, you get three wonderful Iron Man movies, and then Avengers stuff. If you're a person who liked Thor, you get two Thor movies, and then Ragnarok, and, and Avengers movies. You you get Captain America movies, and Avengers movies. You've got all these different choices. Now we've got Black Panther, who was part of Civil War, but is now also, his entire land is being integrated into Infinity War. Uh, you don't want to see Black Panther's whole universe get ripped to shreds when we've just discovered it and fell in love with it. Uh, so how do we make this all work in this next movie? That's Incredibly exciting, incredibly intimidating, and you keep thinking, is Marvel ever going to drop the ball? You know, there, there's certainly films that have been more successful than others, but when you're talking about this if they're gonna, of if, stuff, if they're gonna this drop could the be ball, the make or break. It's probably going to be with Captain Marvel, just because, you know, women. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, but, uh, I mean, that's our plight. But, yeah. Sure, but then that could have been the case with Black Panther. I, I, just think about that. If if Black Panther had been done in in more of a black exploitation way, or or they had put so many white people telling Black Panther how to do things and stuff, and and taken away his his ability to be his own hero, if they had not involved so many strong female characters in it, there's a lot of things that Black Panther could have been that would have been just terrible, and we got this incredible example of a movie that I think heightens movie making for Hollywood that shows not just the potential of Marvel films, but the potential of, of movies overall of involving more people of color, uh, involving more women, involving directors of color, all that stuff. It's such an incredible time because of things like that, because of Get Out coming out last year. Like This is just such a feat that I don't think they would rest on, on their laurels to say, okay, now we're just going to do the movie. It's got a woman in it and, and be okay with that, especially after 
DC did have such a huge success with Wonder Woman. And after we've had such failures as Catwoman and Elektra, I really think that it's important to them to at least get that first Captain Marvel movie out strong. And the same way of getting Black Panther out strong was important. But then there are things like Doctor Strange and Doctor Strange was a, a perfectly fine film, but wasn't anything super exciting. I think Ant-Man was a, a fun movie, but it wasn't like the, the make or break for Marvel. Those are the ones where they can say, yeah, it's going to be a good movie. And that's about it, because it's just another white superhero guy in this land of white superhero guys. <laughs> but now that they've shown the potential of doing something incredible, I think that's what their aim is, is to keep hitting that incredible mark. And they're not going to step back and rest on things. They made Thor viable in his own movie in the third film. Yep. We could have gone without having a third Thor movie and just had him in Avengers like some of the other characters. But they finally took a chance and went with a new direction that Especially was exciting and funny. Especially since we haven't had a Black Widow film. Right. Yeah. And, and there's still talk that that will hopefully happen. Uh, they're yeah. developing a Black Widow story in the comics now that could actually be moved over to a movie. Because the problem is the Black Widow has not carried a title very well over the, the decade she's existed. How do you make that into a good film? And And honestly... I think we've had a really good Black Widow movie. I just think that it happened in the midst of the other Marvel movies that she's been in because she has been consistently great in all these things and she's an exciting character. Absolutely, yeah. It's just that it didn't have her name on any of the titles. I That's mean, and my God, like I, I, I've said this on multiple podcasts where I've talked about my thoughts on Marvel, but yeah, like she's Scarlet. It's played by Scarlett Johansson. I mean, what man, woman, child, beast doesn't want and want to see Scarlett Johansson? She's fucking Scarlett Johansson. She's beautiful. She's wonderful. She's great at every fucking thing she does. Why is there not a Black Widow film? I completely agree with you. It, it is the fact that I think that there was trepidation. But I think that's a trepidation that they're quickly showing that they no longer have to to hide behind. Fair enough. Um, fair enough. Because, again, the success of some of these movies is well beyond what anybody could have expected and earned, earned success. And I don't ever want to see them fall apart. But I, I certainly think that there are movies that are higher priority than others. And I think a, a Captain Marvel movie is a high priority. I think giving us a Black Widow movie is a high priority. And I love the the whole movement of the actresses who play these different characters in these different films and say, hey, why don't we have a female Avengers movie? Just a purely team up of all these great women characters and women oh, actresses wow. that are here. Yeah. And, and they went up to, to Kevin Feige and they said, we think that this should happen. And how in the world is anybody supposed to look at them and say, no, you're wrong. They're absolutely right. It should happen. It needs to happen. And mm -hmm. and as a fan, I want it to happen. So maybe that's the thing. Right on. Excellent. And I will also say that you offended my half of my tattoo by saying that if any movie is going to be bad, it'll be Captain Marvel, because that is what half of my tattoo is. <laughs> Greg, so yeah, yeah let's, I'm, let's I'm, I'm, just, I'm, I'm not baking it on it being no, because no. of the story because i'm not really familiar i i'm not familiar with her story i yeah. don't have her background i haven't read her comics i i, I don't i don't 
know her. But I'm just saying, well, she's the woman, so they're going to fuck that up. You know? Yeah. Um, it's, it's funny, though, because you're talking to Gregor. Gregor's tattoo is based off of two comics uh, written by a female writer, Kelly Sudaconic. Now, Kelly doesn't write Captain Marvel anymore, but Gregor became a big fan of the character when she was writing it and followed her over to her other comic, Bitch Planet, and his tattoo is an amalgam of the Bitch Planet non-compliance symbol and the Captain Marvel logo etched into it. So it's very funny that this 20-something-year-old dude... 29. Has, 29, has a symbol now permanently part of him that is based completely about empowered women by uh, female creators. That awesome. The thing is that this is a generation where... Let's give you a cookie. We are looking past the mistakes <laughs> that have been made before and, and believing in something better. And, and it's not just we want to make a great female-led movie for women. It's we want to make a great movie that stars women about women for everybody. Yeah. And I believe that we have an audience now that that can actually enjoy that and exist in that. Hell yeah. So mm-hmm. I put in there in the our, our doc, our hidden doc there, the link to the picture of it uh, taken, what, eight days ago? There, That is my freshly shaven part of my arm. Um, it is actually a little bit faded since then because I got to get, I got, I got a free touch up from where I got it. But yeah, the, it's cool that it was my first tattoo. I definitely like this as opposed to the other one that I was th- going to get in the beginning of the year. But yeah, it's Corey's hitting it right on the head as to why I got the tattoo. I mean, it was, you know, I got into comics right around the time Kelly Sudaconic was writing. Uh, Captain Marvel, and then and it was hearing him and Glenn Rubenstein talk about about Kelly Sue, and then following her work over to Image with you know comics like Bitch Planet and Pretty Deadly, and I think there's another one I'm I'm forgetting about. I know there is, and just being like, all right, this you know she's awesome. She's writing really great characters, you know, telling really great stories for everyone, not just. You know, oh well, she's a lady, so she's going to write women comics. It's like, no, these are comics for everyone, and the fandom that has been behind it. You know, with the Carol Corps and the the Kamala Clan, I think is the the one for Kamala Khan. Just you know, from this, and it's just like it's so cool to see. And this is this is the world that I want to live in with. You know, where we're all getting along and all that stuff. And plus, also, it's really funny to explain the nc part because people are like is that dc i'm like no that's an n what does it mean it's uh it's non-compliance from a comic book from image comics when i'm at church by the way so it's like you know swearing's a little bit frowned upon um it's like so it's from a comic book called bitch planet where the prison inmates all get tattooed. <laughs> 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 um, but yeah so that's yeah that's a lot of the reasons why i got it and i'm probably going to be getting a whole bunch more and I have that addiction of tattoos now. I'm like, yeah, this is fun. Right on. Or as I like to call it, you have too much money. Um, no, actually, my friend paid for the tattoo, and I still owe him about forty bucks for it. <laughs> but just, like, if, if you if you're getting a, a tattoos every week, it's just like doing cocaine. You just you're making too much money, and <laughs> you just someone needs to cut you off. No, that that's a funny thing is that almost everybody I know who who gets tattoos, they they almost all become addicted. Uh, my wife being one of them. I, well, I got one. I, I got it in my my thirties, and uh, it's still just the one. So we'll yeah. see. Yeah, it's because it's honestly what it was is I thought it was going to hurt, 
a lot. Like I had, um, you know, I was probably like maybe 10 minutes away from getting a panic attack when I was sitting there and they're like, <laughs> you know, I had all the things if you you know, done this, that blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, no, cause I don't, it's not that I don't do well with shots. It's just that I think it's partially my family. Our veins are very not as that our, our veins are really good at playing hide and seek. I'll put it to you that way. Um, so it's like I've been stabbed, you know, jabbed with the needles multiple times. So I'm like, oh, we're just doing this, but really, really quick. And honestly, what it was is, and I'm going to use my other hand here since it's closer to camera. When they were tattooing here and here, I'm like, it tickles a little bit. Like, ah, come on, come on, quicker, quicker, get done quicker. Because this is like tickling in a weird way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was cool. And I do think I will probably get more tattoos later on. But they're all going to have meetings. It's not just like, eh, I got this one because... No, God paid me 50 bucks to do it. You know, it's not going to be anything like that. <laughs> uh, I thought you said God paid you 50 bucks. Oh, a guy. Okay, not God, though. A uh, guy. Like, just walk across, like, boom, 50 bucks. <laughs> what? Get a tattoo. And I'd be like, I'm going to buy comics. Gotcha. <laughs> well, nicely done. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I have so many ideas for tattoos. And one day, I don't know. One day, I'll. I'll, I'll make them all happen. I'll talk more about this later, like offline and stuff, but there's a couple, like a couple ideas that I've had that I, would be really awesome if I got, um, but yeah. So, uh, B asked about Dr. Strange. Did you, did you see Dr. Strange Jackie? Yes. Yes. And, and what did you think of that one? I very much enjoyed it. I, I, I enjoyed that. It was to me, it was, it was, it was much different than the other stories. And of course, Robert C. Cargill, <laughs> uh, yeah. who's our, our buddy. Pal uh, in Diamond Club, um, you know. So it was interesting, like to think of it from that end as well. Yeah, it did. It didn't. It didn't. It didn't feel like it fit in into this larger story. And that's sort of the. I think the other thing I, I like about the MCU is they're taking a a page out of on Stephen Moffat's book with with Doctor Who where they're taking things and then they're expanding on them later to where you go, did they plan this for years? And, yeah. all, like, you know, with some of the things it's like where they're referencing, like so much so with, like we talked about in the news earlier with Phil Coulson being in the Captain Marvel movie where they hit on, people are pointing out like from watching the first Iron Man where he goes, where he makes a line like, yeah, I've been doing this for a while. It's like, oh, wait, wait, did they know this? Like, chances are no it's just they're like oh well hey we have this little thing that could create an easter egg that fans yeah. will, will go ape shit about and stuff yeah like yeah well, black mirror well have you guys watched black mirror yes sir okay yes, yes. Uh, uh, i don't know if cory i don't know if cory's caught up though no okay man oh man well yeah anyways but well gregor you should get on my my black mirror podcast so we can talk about these yeah. like, yeah. like we're, we're, we we've been trying to do a story uniquely on easter eggs but um the progression of how that happened that i i, I definitely know that the story started out deny for, first they they denied it up until this year and mm. i i like to argue it was that that charlie brooker listened to my podcast right <laughs> outlined by looking at calendar dates on walls and stuff to find yeah. out yeah um but yeah like there, there's a lot of like a lot of that where where there there are Easter eggs that just kind of develop naturally, and and you can tell that that's how that started. 
that it wasn't yeah. originally intended. Like sort of like uh, the TV show Psych, where they just put a pineapple on every episode. They could just start like it just happened, and I think they're like, okay, well, well now we got to put a pineapple here in, in more creative ways. Mm. You know, so it's you know much like me. There's never an episode of of Elsner's where there's not a pineapple behind me. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, but yeah, I guess that's gonna do it here for us. Or a burp, yes, or a burp. But the burps are not Easter eggs. The burps are me having to do biological functions. Be dick <laughs> but yeah so real quick before we leave we want to give a big thank you to jackie um jackie where um you know we plugged a little bit in the in the middle of the show but plug some more here where can people find the things that you do just follow me at jackie jackie hearn 81 that's j-a-c-k-i-e-h-e-r-n 81 on twitter and they can find out all the other stuff fun stuff i do yeah, and you can go to her Patreon at patreon.com slash Jackie Hearn. But yeah, and so that's going to do it here for us. You want to leave us a voicemail, uh, you can do, the, do so by calling 805-328-3966 or emailing mail at elsnerds.com. And for all the subscription options and links, they can be found over at gncasts.com slash subscribe. Searching Galactic Netcasts on Facebook and Twitter will find you will find us there. You know the network as a whole. It's a great way to um, know when the shows are recording live or if there are hiccups or burps in that uh, plan. It's also <laughs> it's also where you can follow follow our show is over at Else Nerds on the Twitter, and you can follow uh, Beatmaster. He's at Beatmaster eighty. Sean Burns. He's at S Burns PA. He'll probably be joining us here soon. We need to get in, in touch with him. Um, note to myself and beat and you can find me at two places that i've been plugging right now my twitter at that gregor where you can see the last post is of my new my sweet tattoo and uh twitch.tv slash that gregor uh, in my free time when i get caught up on comics and have the moments i will be playing some games i think my next game is going to be episode four of life is strange that i will probably end up just doing tomorrow um but yeah and Corey. Where can people yeah. find the things that you do? Uh, right now, uh, just because it's about to launch next Tuesday night, we'll be recording the first official episode of the new podcast I'm doing with the Ink Geek guys, Nate and Brandon. If you go to stfucast.com, it'll take you to the page. Uh, you can listen to the beta episode. It is not for the faint hearted. Basically, if you've heard me talk about my wife's artwork on here and my wife's artwork is an acquired taste for a very special art appreciative audience. Uh, the, the challenge is which is now more disgusting. My wife's, <laughs> my wife's art or this podcast that I'm doing. Uh, I'll leave it up to you, dear listener. Uh, so solutions to fix the universe. Go to stfucast.com. All right, and the final thing to be said is this has been a Don't Tell Glenn production. We will see you next week. Or Jackie is going to take over my spot. Or mine. What?
For more on this Galactic Network podcast, go to GNCast.com. That's G-N-C-A-S-T-S dot com. <laughs>